So we see in Turkish, when we are building words, we start out with the main concept and then we go on refining it or adding to it. For example, if we say something like you will come, we start with the main information, gel, and then we refine it as we go along. Gel, eject, will, sin, you. Gel, eject, sin. We can see the same principle again in how the Turkish language has built and builds new vocabulary. Languages have mechanisms or ways to create new vocabulary to express new ideas from existing vocabulary and ideas. Then the way they do it might be thought of as a grammar of vocabulary or a vocabulary grammar. It's a fascinating topic to look into and observe whilst you are language learning as how languages form words seems to be making certain suggestions to us. For example, in English, we can observe the Latin words and how they form new ideas from existing ideas. The Latin words in English, you will notice that they have a preposition. This is a word that shows some kind of position or movement. And then a main concept afterwards. So, for example, spirit, the word spirit actually means something like breath. Spirit is a breath, a being with breath. Then conspire is to breathe together. Con means with or together. In confirm, we see it. Confirm means with signature. And then inspire, inspire is to in-breath. To cause breath, to cause spirit, to inspire. Respire, to re-breath, to breathe. Greek has a very similar way of forming vocabulary. One of my favourites in Greek, the word for truth, alithia. Alithia actually comes from not, oblivion, unforgettable. There's a suggestion there that Greek makes. The truth is not what you repeat a thousand times. It can be silent, it can be unknown, and at the same time, unforgettable, ever-present. So this is the Latin and the Greek way of forming vocabulary. Many languages underwent consonant shifts, where some consonants just suddenly decided to be other consonants. This is also observable in the Germanic side of English. For example, many Zs in Germanic dialects changed to Ts in modern English. This is why you have Herz for heart in German, which is spelled H-E-R-Z. Z in German gives us Ts, Herz, and heart in English. Semitic languages, like Arabic or Hebrew, for example, have a root system. This means that the set of sounds relate to a certain meaning and fit into different patterns to give us new words. For example, the sounds s, f, r have to do with travelling in Arabic. This is where we get safari from. But then in Arabic you can find sifara, which means embassy. And that word embassy in Arabic is maintaining the connection with the meaning of travel with those roots safara. I mentioned before how you find many Arabic roots scattered around Turkish. For example, the word for guest is misafir. You notice s, f, r in the word misafir. Again, maintaining the connection between the meanings of guest and travel. You might also notice that the word doesn't harmonize in itself. Misafir. We have the I's with the dots and an A. This is mostly a good indication of when words were imported into Turkish. Imported words often don't harmonize within themselves. The roots sh, r, b in Arabic have to do with drinking. This is where we get syrup and sherbet from in English. In Turkish we get sharap, 
which is the word for wine. You might hear, though, that the B has turned to a P in Turkish. Shut up. Even though Turkish, like English, doesn't use the root system, you can still find it lying around in the language, as you can in English. So it's a very interesting topic to enjoy in any language, to analyse what we can call this grammar of vocabulary, to understand how languages create new vocabulary to represent new ideas that emerge in forever complicating societies and complicating collective imaginations which languages make possible. Analyzing and enjoying this element of language learning rather than just memorizing new words makes filling out your content much more pleasurable and much less about memorization. When we come into contact with new words in Turkish, we should have a look to see if we can figure out from where or what these words came. Thinking about it helps you remember without memorizing and makes learning much more enjoyable, giving you a more intimate relationship with the language. So, how can this work for Turkish. As we already know, Turkish is a language that's all about endings. If we can identify in vocabulary common endings reoccurring and work out what they're doing, when we find new words, they become much easier to remember. For example, maybe you look up in your dictionary to bring. Looking up to bring, you will find getirmek. Now, this can just be a vocabulary item to use and remember, or the more suffixes you are aware of, it becomes something completely different. Getirmek is actually built from gelmek, to come. Gel, tir, mek. Just we lost the L to help it flow. So it's not gel, tirmek, but getirmek. This tir ending is used when we make something or someone else whatever the meaning of the verb is. So here, to make someone else or to make something else come to bring. So here Turkish makes you realize, oh of course, to bring is to make come. I never thought about it that way. So those are your options. Just to come across the word and go, Getirmek, I have to remember it, or see if you can dissect it and understand what it's built of. The more you do that, the more you will find reoccurring elements within the words. You will identify them and can figure out by yourself what actually they are doing, and this will make internalizing vocabulary much more pleasurable and much more effective. So we have getirmek, which is to bring. How would you say, bring it to me? Giving an order, bring it to me. Bana getir. Bana getir. What is uh, to know? Bilmek. Bilmek. To make know, what might be a nice translation in English of to make know, when you make somebody know? Teach. That's a very good uh, guess. But actually, to teach in Turkish is built from to make learn. It's built in a very similar way. You have to learn, öğrenmek, and then you have to teach, öğretmek. And the T is actually doing the same, to make somebody else, that T by itself. It's actually what you use instead of the T when you have a vowel. But to make know would be closer to inform, to inform, bildirmek. Here the T is a D. It's soft, and it should have been soft in getirmek too. But maybe swallowing that L of gelmek kept the the T hard. So we have bildirmek with a D, bildirmek to make know or to inform. What was to eat? Yemek. Yemek to make eat. What might that mean? To make eat. To feed. To feed. Bravo. 
To feed is yadirmek. To make. Eat. To feed. Yemek yadirmek. As opposed to yemek yemek. Before I mentioned öremek and öretmek that are to learn and to teach. Öremek to learn, öretmek to teach. And said that this t is often what we have for dir or tir after a vowel, although we didn't in yadirmek. Some nice examples are anlamak, which is to understand, and then anlatmak, which is to make understand, or to explain, tell or recount. So you get those different meanings depending on the context. Explain, tell, recount, anlatmak, from anlamak, to understand. Even the la on anlamak is an ending. Anmak means to call to mind, to reminisce, anmak. And then anlamak, to understand, anlatmak, to make understand, to tell, recount, or explain. So we're seeing how extensively endings are used to create new vocabulary. We had bilmek for to know, and tanemak is also to know, to know or to recognize, tanemak. Tanetmak is to make know or to make recognize, which is to introduce, tanetmak. Another ending you'll see around is Ish. Ish makes the verb reciprocal. This means the meaning of the verb to each other. So, for example, we had almak to take, and then alashmak, here we have the ish harmonized, alashmak to take to each other is to grow accustomed to, or to take on as a habit, like in English to take to. Bulmak is to find, bulushmak is to find each other, or to meet, yazmak to write, Yazushmak, to write to each other, or to correspond. Atmak, we saw briefly, was to throw. Atushmak is to argue or to quarrel. Another and perhaps more popular way to say to argue is tartushmak, from tartmak, which means to weigh. So it's like to weigh each other up. We have that in English as well. The suggestion there might be that it's what you do before a fight or before a possible fight. The argument, the weighing each other up, like two lions having a roar. This is a very interesting word. Tartishmak, to argue, from to weigh. Gelmek, we had to come. And gelishmek, to come to each other, to one another, is to develop, which is mind-bending, 